Okay, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the New Travel Podcast. Today's episode is something very special because today I'm talking with my mom. Welcome. Thank you. Great How to be here. How you doing, mom? Doing just great. Great to be here. I thought it'd be cool to talk to my mom for a couple of reasons. Number one, because she's my mom. And number two, because as some of you know, we took a pretty cool trip together to Mexico. Uh, I was about to say last year, but it, it was actually earlier this year. Can you believe it, mom? I was thinking about that yesterday. It was, it was January, 2020. January, 2020. So this is going to be an interesting episode talking about my mom's experience, her, you know, first time seeing Mexico with me after viewing everything through the videos, she finally had the chance to experience it for herself. Mm. Um, and I think that's going to be interesting to hear about. But before we get there, I just wanted to back up a bit and ask something obvious, which, which I know, but no one else knows. Mom, where did you grow up? I'm Canadian, and I grew up in the province of Ontario, which is where Toronto is. A lot of people would know that. I grew up in a, I was born in a, the second child of four, who uh, my dad moved around a little bit for his job. And so I was born in St. Catharines, Ontario, which is, you know, a medium small city. And uh, I want to say midway through kindergarten. So when I was five, we moved to um, Ottawa. So I grew up in Ottawa. Ottawa is the capital of Canada. Went to university there, went to high school there, grew up there and uh, spent most of my time there. Uh, when we moved to Western Canada to Winnipeg, I often tell people I'd never been west of Ontario, believe it or not. I'd never been to BC, Alberta, Manitoba where I live now or Saskatchewan. So I grew up in the nation's capital Ottawa's home, and I still miss it, and it's a beautiful, beautiful city to, uh, to live in and grow up in. Yeah, and of course, that's, that's where I grew up as well. I was born yep. in Ottawa, moved to Winnipeg when I was five or six, I guess. November 1996, you yeah. were six. I was, I was six. Mm-hmm. Now, Mom, let's get back to the time before I was born. I just want to give some context, and also I'm curious to know, when you were young, growing up, did you travel much? What was your experience with travel like in your childhood? That is such a great question because actually we didn't. Uh, probably one reason, Daniel, is because we were a family of six. And so, you know, like you don't have a lot of, like to me, travel is a little bit of an extra in terms of you have a little bit of extra money. What do people do? you know, they take a nice spring break trip or they, you know, go on a nice trip somewhere. Um, so no, growing up, we didn't travel too much, but I do remember one family trip we did. My dad rented a camper, uh, a trailer that you'd like fold down into kind of a big square, attached to your car and uh, tow it along. And we actually went right out to Eastern Canada. We drove through Ontario, just to the border of Quebec, which is right there, past Montreal where you live, through Quebec, and through the Maritimes, which are eastern provinces. So we went to uh, Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, and we ended up at Prince Edward Island, which is a beautiful little 
island. So I always like to say that I've been everywhere in Canada now, except for Newfoundland. It was a very good trip, and I still remember some of it. It was centennial year, 1967. Canada was officially 100 years old, and a lot of people had what was called centennial projects. We were being urged to do something special this year for 1967, 100 years of Canada being a country. And Dad's centennial project was to have his family see some of Canada, which was very cool. When I graduated university for a present, my parents took me to England. So my mom, my dad, and I went to England. I was, uh, I had just turned 20 when I graduated university. And that was a huge deal because, as you know, I love theater. I love to read. And we went to Stratford in England, saw some great theater. Before we squeeze past the age 20 thing, you were, you, that's pretty young to finish university. Yeah, you were jumped ahead a couple years. And I did. I did. The, the school system decided that for whatever reason, I didn't need to take every year. So they put me from kindergarten to grade two. And they put me from grade three to grade five. So I never took grade one. I never took grade four. I shot ahead, was always two years younger than everybody else. Wow. Um, And yeah, when I finished at age, just turned 20 that month, April, I remember thinking, Daniel, well, what do I do now? Because 20 is pretty young to know what you want to do. You know, It, it is, it is. I mean, when I think about when I finished university, my first instinct, uh, again, I, much like yourself, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know. It's a very uncertain time for a lot of people. And my reaction to that time was to travel, uh, to go, to, to move to, uh, to Asia and then travel through Europe and do all this stuff. In your time, was there still, a, was there already a backpacking culture? Like did young people just say, I'm just going to backpack through Europe for the next six months? Or was uh, that just not something people really did? Huh. Let's see. That would have been in the 70s. Uh, I'm sure there was. I mean, the, you know, the, the Woodstock had just happened. The, the, I hate to say the hippie culture. And I, I, I mean that in a good way. Uh, hippies are awesome. Um, that was definitely a thing. So yeah, I want to say I'm sure there were people uh, doing that. I mean, that never occurred to me. Again, just turning 20 is young. Oh, I'm sure people have always been traveling in that. And of course, you know, I always think of this, believe it or not, in my day, hitchhiking was definitely socially acceptable. Hitchhiking to get somewhere was perfectly okay. You didn't worry about it. To see people standing by the side of the road, holding signs like in Canada saying Calgary, that was totally mainstream. Did you hitchhike yourself? Oh yeah, I did. (laughs) So when I would hitchhike, but I would just hitchhike in the city. And I remember specifically to get to university from my house, I had to take three buses. What I would do is you, you had to be to your classes on time. And if I was on, you know, the third leg, standing on Bronson Avenue way far to take one bus way down. And I'd look at my watch and I was late. You better believe I stuck my hand out. People would always stop. You'd always get students or you'd jump in and you'd say, you know, oh, I, I gotta, gotta get to Carlton. Or if you were closer, students would drop you. Oh yeah, I would only hitchhike if, if I was late. <laughs> and, and so what's, you, you say people used to hitchhike. What do you think's changed? What is it, what is it that happened that, 
Like, why don't, why don't we have that same hitchhiking culture today? People look at each other differently. Um, I want to say that people are more insular now. I feel people are more, uh, they don't know uh, their neighbors as much. They don't, they don't, uh, they don't, if they don't know someone, their first impulse is not to trust them. Their first impulse is the opposite, to say, what is this person trying to get out of me? Um, the other day, about a week ago, I went for a walk and I was a few blocks from home and it was middle of the day and there were two toddlers on the sidewalk. They were about five and they were, they had these little, um, vehicles that they were on cars and, and they kind of were in my way. And I was smiling at them as I went by their moms were kind of sitting on steps talking and I smiled at the moms and one of the moms immediately got a little upset and said, oh, oh, did he do something to you? Did he bother you? Immediately inferring, why else would this stranger smile at me? Like she thought I was sort of saying, you know, smiling like as though to say, you really should be keeping an eye on those kids, but quite the opposite. I was merely a stranger smiling at someone in my neighborhood. That's all I was. But on the other end, it was inferred, oh, this is strange. What's going on? Do you see what I mean? And that's not everybody today, but that is definitely part of life today. The people, their, their first thought in their mind is, um, oh, what's, what's this all about? Do you know what I mean? Like, That's such an interesting way to put it. And I, I feel, though I haven't lived as long as you, obviously, I, I, I feel as though I've seen that change a bit myself. Just, mm -hmm. I don't know if it's the rise of technology. Because mm -hmm. I definitely remember when I was a kid, there was no um, no problem with me just riding my bike to school when yeah. I was pretty young. There was no problem of me just going out and playing on the street or it, it, it wasn't like you were on the steps watching me when I was even eight or nine or whatever. I, I, I feel like I, ha I was perhaps part of that last generation of, you know, free range kids. You just, yeah, yeah. you go out and you do what you want. And then as they get a bit older, suddenly the Game Boys come in and the Playstations come in and then the internet comes in and the phones come in. But before, I guess before everyone had a cell phone, it wasn't necessary to always be in contact. It was just presumed that kids are going to be kids and they're going to do what they want to do and they're going to be home for dinner and everything's okay. And a perfect example of that is Halloween. So Halloween was a huge deal when we were kids. You know, we didn't have a lot of candy in our house and this was kind of our, our night, whatever we, we got, you know, we could, we could savor, we could, you know, eat it in three days or a month. So on Halloween, when I was a kid, Daniel, the idea of parents accompanying you, that was way off, like that never happened. And I mean, never. You'd go up by yourself, you'd get candies and now more than half the kids, oh gosh, probably three quarters of the kids who knock on my door have a parent there. Uh, the other thing is, when we were kids in Halloween, the very best treats, bar none, were the homemade treats. I remember once in a blue moon, somebody would have a big plate of fudge cut into squares, or she'd made brownies. Now, honey, the parents would throw homemade treats straight into the garbage, wouldn't they? Again, you're talking about mm. your neighbors. You're talking about people who live around you. And you would throw that homemade treat straight into the garbage. 
I would maybe push back just a bit and say, I'm sure there are some families who would still eat those homemade treats. Uh, but I, I think, I think you're right that like the general feel would be not to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're, you're right. It's like the culture has shifted away from that, yeah. away from that trust of strangers to a place of a, maybe a bit less trust in strangers. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong. And, and I'll say this to your viewers too. I'm not judging parents who accompany their kids to Halloween. I'm not judging parents who say, I better to be safe than sorry. Not at all. It's merely an observation. Life as I see it and life as I remember it. That is- no, it, it's, a, it's a very important observation. And I think that's a great place to sort of jump ahead into travel. In my view, there's a parallel between what you're saying about not being as trusting about strangers and the sort of experience you can have when you're traveling. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is, do you remember before you took the trip with me to Mexico, I think you were telling someone at work that uh, you, you were going to Mexico and what, what did he say? Something like, don't, don't step off the resort and you'll be fine. Leave the resort. That was a customer. And uh, sometimes we'd get talking about travel or Mexico or whatever. I worked in a store, by the way, for your viewers, department store. And, um, you know, like maybe it would be, oh, I'm going to Mexico. Uh, I've never been there. And, you know, or maybe they'd say, oh, I've been there a few times. And two different people on two different occasions, I want to say they were both men, use the expression to me, you'll be just fine as long as you don't step off the resort. <laughs> I didn't know there were two of them. <laughs> two. I think I'm pretty sure they were both men, too. I don't think one of them was a woman. Imagine, eh? isn't that funny? Two people said that. And of course, you weren't staying on a resort. We Not were. We had an Airbnb booked in Puerto Vallarta. Mm-hmm. We'd been staying in a in a local neighborhood, actually, of Puerto Vallarta. For those who don't know, Puerto Vallarta is a beach town. There are a lot of resorts in the area, mm-hmm. but uh, w- mm-hmm. you know, we, I at least, didn't want to be on the resort. And I think, Mom, you you would probably second that that statement. We wanted to be in the neighborhoods, meeting real Mexicans, eating yep. real meals, sort of like the free range kids. You don't, you don't want someone over your shoulder being like, oh, watch out for those strangers. Watch mm-hmm. out for that homemade treat. You want to just experience life and you know, live that adventure a little bit more. Because Daniel, to me, that's travel. I, I, I don't want a preset, like when you're on a resort, just trying to think if I've ever actually been to a resort. I think I, I think I might have over the years, but when you're there, it's just such a posh, safe world. And there's like, I always say there's a great big world out there and I want to try different things. I don't want to go to the buffet and say, Oh, there's my favorite Thai salad. That's all I'm going to have. No, I want to try everything. Well, I've been thinking a lot about this because resorts are so popular in Mexico and I've just been trying to understand the appeal because obviously I, I think as you do and I am a fan of being out in the cities, out exploring. I mean, I spent most of my year in Mexico in Mexico City mm-hmm. and a lot of people who spend trips in Mexico don't even make it to Mexico City. If they do, they just see the airport and it's just a big place to connect to as they go mm-hmm. to the beach. 
But I know people who spend three, four, five months in Mexico and they don't leave the beach. They're just there at the resort or at their apartment complex. And the idea of getting away from that beach zone where everyone speaks English and everything is relatively um, accessible or convenient. The idea of going just a few hours into a city like Guadalajara, a, a city with more of the Mexican culture, uh, or, or just, just a city where the tourists don't go, you know, a city that is more, more of, you know, I hate to use this expression because it's kind of overused, but the, like the real Mexico, right? Th th that thought doesn't enter a lot of people's minds. No, but, but again, and I totally agree with you, but again, looking at it from their point of view, what are they doing? Like I live here in Winnipeg, you can get like five months of really bad winter. I always say once it starts in November, it ain't going back. Like it's cold, it's snowy, there's ice, you know, your car won't start some days. So if you've got like seven days to get away from your job, let's say first week of January or first week of February, whatever, and you have a break and you're going to Mexico, like that's kind of all you want to do. You want to go to the opposite of where you are. You don't want to delve into meet real people and stuff like that. You just want the basics. You want to put it simply beach, sun, you know, get a, get a nice tan, you know, have some delicious drinks, eat some good food, then get on the plane and go back. And if you come back feeling rested and tanned, well, your trip has given you what you wanted to get from it. You don't want any more from that. But for other people like me, older people, that's where snowbirds come in. We want more of real life in a different place. And that's where people like you, citizens of the world, you want to live like the people around you are living. There's different ways of taking trips. Well put. It's, I think it's a mixture of, as you put it, the convenience and just the, you know, I'm on vacation. I don't want to think about anything. I don't even want to think about where I need to eat today. I don't want to think about uh, worrying about Spanish on the menu. I just, I just want somewhere warm and nice. And that's going to be my Mexico. That's going to be my experience in this country. And the easier this resort can make it for me, the better. Mm -hmm. But wouldn't you say there's also a sense of fear, like going back to what the, those two men in the store said to you, mm -hmm. there's that sense that just like we can't leave our kids alone on the street, we can't leave ourselves alone in Mexico because we've been told that something could happen or something will happen or it's not safe to leave the resort. Yes, I do. Like that, that to me, when people say it's not safe to leave the resort, that just strikes me as something that's been said by a lot of people who have never left the resort. Like a lot of people who have never done what they're talking about. They, they don't know anyone who something bad has happened to. They're, they're just kind of repeating this phrase over and over. Just, just like everyone might say, oh, it's Halloween. Don't eat those homemade treats. Mm -hmm. But chances are no one knows anything. Knows, no one knows anyone who's ever been poisoned by homemade treats. That's right. It's just maybe like 20 years ago, you heard a news story about it. And now for the rest of time, everyone thinks, stay away from those strangers who are cooking brownies. They're the bad ones. It's like we get poisoned by this negative idea. And then it's just, yeah. once it's there, we can't get rid of it. It only takes one headline and one story, and that story will be sort of passed down and shared. And uh, then people have this uh, image of what's happening. 
uh, believe it or not, Rome has the image of being a bad place for pickpockets. And I remember talking about going back to Rome, a city I love. I remember somebody saying to me, oh, I would never go there. Too many pickpockets. I could name you 30 things, what, 30 things of Rome and pick, pickpocketing wouldn't be on the list. It wouldn't be on the top 50. Do you know what I mean? So we, we all have different ways of looking at something. But you're right. If there's a negative headline or two about a country, it, it's just amazing how many people kind of put that in their brain and kind of remember that. And that's kind of where they, they go from. Do you realize, and, I, and again, I hope it's okay for me to say this, do you realize that when those cruise ships in the beginning of the pandemic, when there were those images on TV of those cruise ships in quarantine and the people sort of sitting there kind of at sea in their small rooms, you know, with couldn't even leave their rooms. And I, I know cruise ship, you know, cabins can be pretty small, confining. Just the image of two or three ships that happening to, can you imagine what that did to the cruise industry? How people would... Oh, it was decimated. Yeah. In, indeed. It's, it's, it's not the same now. And it's, it's, it arguably will never be the same like that. Indeed. Like, never mind the thousand ships that did fine. We're looking at the ones that made the news, the two or three. And that's what people were thinking. You know, it's like, hey, do you want to go on our cruise for our 50th anniversary? No, no. I, I don't know why human nature does that. We kind of seize on the, the kind of thing we're afraid of or whatever. We kind of put that foremost in our, in our minds sometimes. That's, that's what we do. When, when we were going to Mexico, did you have any fear about that trip? <laughs> No, not even close. What would I be afraid of? Oh, oh gosh. Not, 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 not fear of getting kidnapped or any of that like extreme stuff. Just, just, you know, nerves about the fact that like, here we go. You're flying to another country. You're, you're going with your son. You're going to Puerto Vallarta. Then we're going to Mexico City. Like it's a big, for, any, for anyone, it's a big trip, you know. Was there any, how, how did you feel when you were leaving on that trip? Excited. Like, I want to see this. And you love Mexico. You've been to a lot of different places. So I thought, I want to see this place that, you know, my son is so, uh, you know, excited about. And again, it was January. You know, we, we weren't having a great winter here. So I was eager to see the opposite, just to have some warm weather, blue skies. And When we first arrived, what was your first impression of Puerto Vallarta? I remember the airport was, uh, it was an open air airport, kind of like Hawaii. Hawaii, I remember there's a lot of buildings that don't have doors. Um, and it was open air. And I remember, I do remember feeling, Daniel, that, it, that the, the language of the Spanish language was extremely prevalent. And like, there were no signs in English. And I don't speak Spanish at all. Like, I just don't. And... Um, I remember thinking, okay, so I'm in a country that has a different language and, you know, I'm going to be the fish out of water here. I've got to uh, learn how to swim to, uh, you know, to, to enjoy it the fullest. I've got to get up to speed a little bit in Spanish. But I remember it was a beautiful day when we landed. And, it was uh, just to jump in, how, how's your Spanish doing now? Have any <laughs> Do you have any words to throw out for us? I do not. Although I did learn that it's hola, not hola, right? Yeah, hola, not hola. <laughs> well done. I used to always say hola. No, honey, I, I haven't learned any Spanish, to be frank. You know, um, 
No, it was it was a uh, early afternoon. I remember that, like it was just around twelve thirty one o'clock. It was a typically beautiful day. I don't remember it raining at all when we were in Puerto Vallarta, and it was always right. It was always sunny, blue sky, and I just thought, wow, this is just great. And then I remember we, you know, we got in our our Uber and we drove. You know, our, our neighborhood Jalisco was a little bit far. So I got to see a little bit of the city, you know, it was, it was what, it was easily a 20 minute drive to our apartment, right? Yeah, it was, it was a mix of wanting to see more of the city and also wanting to get away from the very expensive prices at the beach. (laughs) Because for for, for anyone who's, who's ever been to a city or, uh, as you know, a lot of the people visiting this might be their only vacation of the year. They've worked hard all year. They don't have a lot of time to explore the city. They just want to be close to the beach, close Mm -hmm. to the beach, close to the beach. So the hotels and the rentals right on the beach, you are paying a huge premium. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you're okay to go back a bit and see a local neighborhood, Mm -hmm. not only will the apartment price be cheaper, the restaurants around you will be cheaper you'll get to like go on a bus ride and kind of, you know, just have that kind of local experience, which for me is a lot of fun. And I think you enjoyed it too, right? Riding the bus to the downtown and stuff. But I, you know, I'm sure the resorts there are beautiful. In fact, interestingly, there's a show on HBO uh, sitcom or comedy, I guess, called Insecure. I'm sure a lot of people like it. It's a terrific show. And this season, um, uh, one of the episodes, the second lead, and her boyfriend, deciding to take their first vacation and meet his brother, decided to go to Puerto Vallarta. So kind of a little travelogue. They filmed Puerto Vallarta. They stayed in a beautiful resort. It was just kind of one of those five-star. You know, this character, she's a lawyer, so I'm sure, you know, they wanted to stay at a really great place. And they showed some of the city, a little bit, but, you know, a lot of it focused at the resort, and it, it just looked beautiful. So you know, not knocking resorts and stuff like that. They, they can be very five-star. Absolutely. Now, now let's, let's jump ahead a bit. We spent, I guess, six or seven days in Puerto Vallarta, mm-hmm. but after that, after getting some time in the sun and the heat, I wanted mm-hmm. to take you somewhere different. I wanted to show you the city that I fell in love with, mm-hmm. Mexico City. So we had about three days together in Mexico City. It was a whirlwind trip because... Yeah. As I'm sure you know, there's a lot to see in that city, and we had a short time to do it. Yeah. So we, we kind of ran around a lot, but I hope you got a good sense of the big city. And yeah, I'd love to know what were your thoughts on Mexico City? One of my, first of all, I loved Mexico City, and I hope to go back. Uh, one of my impressions was I had no idea you were sort of educating me on what a huge city and isn't their airport one of the biggest in the world the international airport uh i didn't know yeah, that it's, it's huge yeah one of, one of the hubs for all of central america yeah and i i did not know mexico city was such a huge sprawling city i actually did not know that and it is sprawling i mean i imagine it's like you know los angeles or like it was huge like again to go from the airport to where we were my impression was, uh, wow. And it was also very modern. It was a mixture of modern, really modern skyscrapers with 
traditional, you know, buildings, statues that had been there for hundreds of years. Beautiful, isn't it, too, the way the different architecture mixes together, the old with the new and everything? It really, really is. It's, uh, you know, but again, the the downtown, the the skyscraper buildings and that, I, I just thought, wow, very lively, tons of people everywhere, just packed to the gills with people and and uh you know but but life as well like people selling food everywhere people selling flowers everywhere it's really really yeah beautiful you were here for a short period of time so it might mm-hmm. be it might be hard for you to answer this question or to comment on this but my impression living somewhere like mexico is that there isn't that same fear of strangers Oh, no. There's there's more like what we were talking about about someone who gets smiled at saying is something wrong. Like I just can't picture that happening in Mexico City. Oh gosh, it's a no. place where like strangers interact with each other, people wish each other a good meal. That fear we have sometimes in places like Canada, it just disappears, mm-hmm. and it shows you like, oh, we don't need to live this way. Mm-hmm. We don't need to to you know be on edge about a stranger are they too close to my house what are they doing you just if you can just relax a bit and adopt that maybe it's a latino thing maybe it's a a, that latin american spirit because i've seen it in costa rica too yeah do you have any comments on that did you witness any different approach to life yeah absolutely um no you're right and i think it is a latino because as you know i i visited you in costa rica and even though we were staying in a super small town, it was very friendly as well. You'd have strangers nodding and smiling at you, saying good morning everywhere you went. We did get that in Mexico City. I remember when we were walking to um, uh, the place where uh, William S. Burroughs lived and uh, Jack Kerouac visited him when we were walking there. You know, you'd see people on the street, maybe in alleys talking, but then they'd look at us like, you know, we were visitors and they'd smile, they'd say hola. We got that a lot. People were very friendly. Yeah, you did get smelled out a lot. I, I like that. It's one of the reasons I always recommend people to, mm-hmm. if they have the time and if they have the interest, to go somewhere less touristic because the locals will really sort of appreciate seeing that someone made it out there, you know? Yeah. Not, not, and not to say that like we're totally off the beaten path because like Mexico City gets tourists, but sure. it's, it's still, you know, you walk around and uh, it's, it's different than a beach resort city because oh. by the beach, you, you're nothing special. You're just one of like hundreds of tourists that got person has seen today mm-hmm. and they're very used to people speaking English. You're just, it's, it's. But you get away from that and suddenly people are like, oh, this person is clearly not from around here and they're visiting my city. This is cool, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it was uh, the people were just, you, my memories universally friendly, extremely welcoming. That's great. And uh, Yeah. And no fears whatsoever. I have to say that, remember when we'd, we'd go on the subway, like the subway was intense. I didn't feel afraid on the subway. But the only thing is, and this is something I'd never even come close to, to uh, uh, 
having happened to me in other cities. I've been in the subway in obviously Montreal, London, but um, because they're so packed, the only fear you have is that you're not going to be able to get off at your stop. People, so, people from Mexico City are hearing this and saying, Dan, how did you let your mom take the subway? What's wrong with you? Well, the subway. If I, if I recall, you wanted to do it too, right? I gave the option. You did. Oh my goodness. To visit, right? to visit a city, and you're so lucky. Yeah. I always say I wish Winnipeg had a subway. To visit a city, which is so rare in Canada that has a subway system and not use it. Oh my goodness. <laughs> You know, they're fat. It's like New York. They're fast. They're cheap. They, they get you from A to B very quickly, very inexpensively. And we definitely did. But again, it was always so packed. And, you know, I remember you yeah. saying to me, the thing about Mexican, the Mexico City subway system is that if you can't push your way out, <laughs> you're, you're not getting off. Yeah. Good you're luck. Like, that's yeah, right. you, you can't just politely say, excuse me, and like expect everyone to move. Like they're just going to you kind of need to make your way out sometimes, yeah, which can be exactly. a, a bit of a it's, culture shock for a Canadian. <laughs> yeah. They, they and were, the food, you had a, a lot of good meals. The food, whew, it was so good. Never a bad meal, eh? And the restaurants, there's so many restaurants, aren't there? Just tons. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you got to see Mexico the way I see it too. Because uh, it's one thing to watch the videos, but when you go to a country, you just you just feel it, you know. Mm-hmm. Nothing like travel. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I can see you living there. I wanted to. One thing I wanted to ask you, Mom, is being my mother and and seeing all the places I've traveled to. Mm-hmm. How? What's your thought on that? Like, do you did you ever expect me to travel this much? Has it? Has it been hard? Has it been, what, what, what's your reaction to having a son who, as you put it earlier, is a world traveler, someone who travels this much? And Well, first and foremost, inspirational. Because if you have a child who does something that makes you say, gee, I never did that. Why did I never do that? Boy, that looks really fun. My child's really having a positive experience doing that why I never tried that. So you've inspired me. You've inspired me to say to myself, you know, like I, I, how many, how many years does the good Lord give us? You know what I mean? Like I, I'm newly retired for your viewers. I retired uh, in June. So I don't have any work obligations now to make me say, oh, well, I, I'd like to see, you know, Amsterdam, but I can't because, you know, like, it's very inspirational. Uh, has it been hard? Absolutely. I mean, you know, parents want to be able to see their kids. That's part of the, that's part of being a parent. Yeah, have I, you know, quote, missed you? Of course I have. Oh, my goodness. All the time. But, uh, you know, would I say, oh, well, you know, my life would be better if Daniel wasn't a traveler. No. Of course not. You're doing what you like. Uh, I love hearing about other countries. Um, I, I've always thought Vietnam would be an interesting place to see. And you, you know, you went to Vietnam. You had a positive experience there. Again, always wanted to see India. I love Indian food. Just seems like such an interesting place. You had positive experiences. I, you know, I, I think you had 
got a little bit sick or whatever. That's part of A life. little bit sick is an understatement. I caught swine flu. It was <laughs> one of the worst experiences of my life. But yeah, a little bit sick. <laughs> a little bit sick. You know, trying to... Uh, trying to moderate here for all your people who yes. have been to India or indeed live there. But uh, no, it's, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's just great that you have been a traveler. I often say Daniel's a citizen of the world, you know, like you're Canadian, but you will go anywhere. Like if you had a company say to you, Oh, well, you know, we'd like you to go to the beaches of whatever and go down there and make a, a video for us. Would you do it? I can't imagine you saying no to anybody. You would go to, you know, the coldest place. You would go to the Arctic, wouldn't you? You would go to the Brazilian rainforest jungle. You would go to the hottest place, wouldn't you? And everywhere in between. I just can't imagine you saying no to visiting another country. I mean, there are always going to be countries that are safer in terms of uh, uh, armed conflicts going on. Like I wouldn't Myself, I wouldn't like to land in the middle of an armed conflict, but, you know, in terms of visiting, seeing another country's people and culture and the way life is there, why not? And, you know, you're very open to that. Um, it's interesting that when you graduate university, the first job, and this sort of set you off, the first job you took was teach English in another country. Yeah, I was an English you know, teacher in South Korea. Yeah, I did not know this, but that's not all that unusual among university graduates. Like I've spoken to other people who say, yeah, that was my first job at a university too. I went overseas and taught English. I've talked to a few people who've yeah. said that. There's a huge demand these days. Very interesting. Especially in countries like China and South Korea and Japan, hmm. all over Asia, to be honest. Yes. Uh, and uh, there's also opportunities in the Middle East. Uh, there's, there's a lot of countries you can, you can choose to go to. Mm -hmm. And some of them don't even require university degrees or anything. It's just one of those paths that you kind of need to make. You don't even know it exists unless you go looking for it. It's only when you start asking yourself, like, oh, I want to live in another country. I want to travel. And then you can use Google, which, I mean, all the answers are right at our fingertips. You can start searching, you know, jobs to live in other countries. And next thing you know, of course, you need to be an English speaker. This is sort of a, one of the privileges of growing up in an English speaking country. If, if, if you grow up in Brazil or something and your first language is Portuguese, you don't, that door isn't open to you. But there are definitely doors that are open. Like I know people who have worked on cruise ships and that's how they travel. Yeah. Of course, like airline stewardess, you know, uh, there, Ooh, there's, yes. there's, if you start Googling for like jobs that allow you to travel, there's mm -hmm. endless options out there. Mm -hmm. And it's right. a, it's a good way to start traveling because you, you know, even if it doesn't work out and you find out you don't love travel, at least you've got some work experience and you've, you've, you have some stories to tell, you know, and if you, if you do love it and you want to continue, you end up doing what I did and you just keep finding one job, one opportunity, you keep moving. Yeah. 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 And interestingly, I was speaking to someone a couple of weeks ago. She's a retired nurse. And she told me that for quite a few years, she did what was called uh, uh, volunteering, but in another country. And they kind of pay, you know, what's the expression for that? They pay for your room and board. 
And in return, you're providing a service for free. And in her case, she was a nurse. There's a lot yeah. of people who do that too. Oh yeah, there's some really cool opportunities. Yeah. There's a website called Work, Work Away where mm-hmm. you can just find connections for that. And you can yeah. go out to a farm and just help for a few hours a day and they'll give you food and a place to live. And mm-hmm. yeah. uh, oftentimes you, you meet other travelers. They'll have a few volunteers and you just, uh, from what I hear, it can be a great experience. You just, mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, if you're not getting paid, the work isn't as stressful as something like teaching English for a company because uh, I had a lot of homework. Like I was, I was busy during that year. Yeah. If making money isn't your top priority, if you do have some money saved, and you want to do that, do some volunteer work, you can find some really interesting opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. But I, you know, I, I was just thinking like I, not going off topic, whatever, but I just love to hear about other people's travels, you know, like the, you know, I've been listening to a podcast you recommended and that one of the, the viewers, uh, excuse me, one of the guests, the musician was talking about how he loves to travel. I don't think he has any ties. He's why, do you, why, do you tell them, why do you tell them what podcast it was for someone who wants to know? So Daniel's been listening to years to the Joe Rogan Experience, who is a, um, a guy who, you know, does like not every day, but, you know, maybe he does it once a week or twice a week or something like that for years. Interviews all kinds of interesting people from all walks of life. And in this case, this was a musician uh henry rollins henry rollins yeah that was henry rollins and henry rollins uh hobby is travel and he travels alone and he was talking about places he's been and and i remember he talked about seeing the pyramids and he just prefaced it with the most simple sentence something like somebody told me uh it was a really great place to go and i thought yeah well i i'm free for the next few months i'm gonna go there and this is kind of what he likes to do to uh, open his mind to learn things to to relax between gigs and uh he was just talking about how you go to the pyramids and you just kind of drive up to them and it was just fascinating and i thought yeah i'd like to see them and i think it was his podcast where he was talking about being on the great wall of china i would like to do that before i <laughs> go what, up there what's that <laughs> Meet, meet Eddie Van Halen. Before you build a second story on your house? Is that what that means? <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'd like to do that. Well, that's, that's the thing. Just like, just like there's nothing stopping you when you graduate school to just yep. go up and start traveling. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Once the world's a bit more normal and we can travel again, there's nothing to stop you, is there? And it, you're right. And it will become normal. I know that right now we're, we're in it for the long haul and we're kind of saying, oh my gosh, how many months has it been? Things will get back to normal. I know that as sure as I'm sitting here, you know? Yeah. But mom, you, you, you're living alone right now. I mean, I we're, am, yeah. we're, we're yeah. separated by space. And yet every time we talk, you have an optimism about you or you have a positivity. Yeah. Do you have any words about that? Do you have any words about how you, you know, get through difficult days in 2020 or, or just difficult days in your life? I guess the simple answer, I'm just push, pushing one of my cats, my, uh, I'm pushing my technician out of the way here. Um, plain and simple gratitude. 
I really try to look at my life and life as glass half full, not glass half empty. What am I grateful for? What do I have? Not what do I not have? You know, uh, interestingly, I've I am taking some courses online, which is great. And uh, through, you know, uh, anyway, I'm taking three courses online right now. Actually, I just finished one. I got a hundred. I don't know how that happened, but um, one of them, the science of well-being, Daniel, I would recommend to people. It's it's taught by Yale. These are all totally free, by the way. Teaches you that um, there are about four things in life that we think will make us happy, and you know, just make life great. And that is like money, a perfect body, like. You know, they talk about plastic, people getting plastic surgery. Uh, what else? Money, uh, great job, um, and something else. Oh, yeah, you know, cool things. You know, and they show pictures of Mercedes Benzes and stuff like this. And the reality is uh, acquiring those things, you know, not at all. It yeah. will not raise your happiness level on a scale of 1 to 10 at all. Not at all. And I kind of know that. I know that things won't make me feel positive about my life and money, you know, it's said that once you get to a certain level, it doesn't matter. Like once you get past a certain level, you can, you can be, you know, making a million dollars a year and your mental state isn't really going to change. I don't know. I just, I, I, I've always been very grateful for what I have. And I think I'm very, very lucky. I think I've been very lucky in life and I have a, I have a, you know, I have two beautiful boys. I'm very proud of you and your brother. I'm lucky enough to live in the same city as your brother. So I do have one of my kids here. And, uh, you know, my, my other son is, is pursuing things that he wants to do. And that's wonderful. I really feel like I, I'm grateful for the opportunity that every day I can get up and open my mind. I can learn something with a course online. I love to read. I've always loved to read. I've got my wonderful library books always by my side to learn something and take me away to a different world. Uh, I have my house. I'm lucky enough to have a house. You know, I've always been very independent. I've never in my life had a roommate. And so, you know, I, I kind of love living alone. I really do. And there's always so much interesting stuff going on in the world. Like there's so much interesting stuff going on. Especially know? this year. Yeah, it, it really is. I won't use that phrase you hate that I use. What's you know that? the one. To quote the ancient curse, may you live in interesting times. Mm. <laughs> you have to admit 2020 is very interesting. Oh, yeah. But really, Daniel, you know, when I wake up, I never think about, yeah, things are going to go wrong. You know, my fridge is making a funny humming sound or whatever. Oh, well, look at that. One of my eaves troughs is starting to come down. But I mean, am I going to make that the focus of my day? There's a big, beautiful world out there. You have to look at, you know, the good things that you have. And I've got a lot of good things. I've got my health, knock on wood. And, you know, you, you just try to take care of yourself, but there's no guarantees. You I just have every day is a gift. You know, I'm in a pandemic and I'm healthy. That's huge. I think that's a beautiful, beautiful way to put it. A, a great perspective to hold on to. Yeah. I, I, at this point, mom, I only have one 
the last question I'd like to ask. Talked a bit about what it was like for you growing up. Talked mm. a bit about what it was like for you now traveling and seeing me travel and the choices I've made and everything. Mm. Do you have any advice for any younger people out there watching? And, and this could be about travel or it could just be about, do you just have any advice for people? I will say it sort of ties in with this. I say this all the time. I never regret what I've done. I only regret what I haven't done. And I have very few regrets in life. Like can't even count them on one hand. So if you want to do something, do it. If you want to see a place, see it. Like what's the worst that can happen? Oh, we got food poisoning or, you know what I mean? Like, oh, the airline, the airport was on strike and oh, that didn't work out for us or whatever, you know? Just realize young people that you've only got one life. There are no guarantees. It does go by kind of quickly. So if you want to do something or you want to try something, try it. What's the worst that can happen? And if you don't get something out of it, or if you, if you do try a job or a, visit a place that wasn't ideal or didn't live up to your expectations, uh, lesson learned. You can always learn from things that go wrong. Everybody knows that, just as you can learn from things that, that go right. And it'll set you on a path to do something else. Like if, you're, if a job doesn't work out, one door closes, the next one's going to open, that might be the best job you ever had. Like the last job I had, which lasted almost six years, I got because I was working in a in the biggest mall in the city. And uh, I don't think I'm, you know, not telling it or tales too much. I was in a job which I really didn't like at all. And on a break, I was leaning over a railing, looking down at a job fair. Just happened to look down. Oh, there's a job fair. I'm going to go line up for that. Lined up, got the job, was there almost six years, you know, and uh, enjoyed the job, had a lot of great memories. So just realize that uh, you only have one life. And uh, what's that expression Drake uses? Is it YOLO? <laughs> YOLO. YOLO. You only live once. Use your time. What's the worst that could happen? That's awesome. I think it's a great way to, uh, yeah, I think it's a great way to wrap up this episode. And yeah, I want to thank you, mom, for, you. you know, for sharing your story and for, you know, hopefully inspiring people at home. Well, I don't know if you I know. did that, but it's always great to talk to you, Daniel. And uh, always great. Well, it's great to talk to you too, mom. And yeah. I... Look forward to your own YouTube channel coming soon. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's a no. good one. Well, you'd, you'd like it or whatever, right? No, just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, to everyone at home, uh, you know, as always, I'm Dan from the New Travel Podcast, and I will see you on the road. Thanks for watching.